Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of a 1986 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. And welcome back, Nightbirds. On this episode, we had the pleasure to be joined by Lindsay Stark, a friend and fellow traveler, and, like me, a wizard in recovery. We talked about jailbreaking Protestantism, the ancestors, aliens, developing a personal relationship with the Allfather, the spirit of the American South, and so much more. As always, thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Lindsay, welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. How are you doing? I'm I'm fantastic. It's great to be here. It's glad to I'm. It's great to have you. <laughs> <laughs> it's glad to have you too. Um, so I wanted to have you on because I know that you're a fellow magical practitioner in recovery, and so I wondered if you could talk about that a little bit here to start off um which found you first magic or recovery oh magic found me way way before i I found recovery um so i've been doing some form of magic for probably 24 years something like that maybe more like oh actually 20 25 is a good round number we're gonna say 25 years um but uh only got sober uh like five and a half i guess coming up on six years ago um and it it was i mean i guess recovery kind of found me before then, actually around the time that I was getting into magic, but in a, a cyclical ancestral sort of way in that, you know, oh, cool. like, like so many of us, uh, it runs in the family. And um, right around the time that I started getting really uh, kind of switching from your garden variety 90s teenage Wiccan into more of a, being a little bit more more critical about my my magical practice was around the same time that my, my mom got sober. So, and I never really made this connection until now that you asked me that I think a big part of that undercurrent was getting a really clear lesson, like at, you know, in my, in my late teens, that change is possible. And you know, my mom got sober through, you know, through the 12 steps. And a big part of that is, you know, sort of a, a relationship with your will and a relationship with higher power. So I wonder if somewhere in the back of my mind, there was a connection being made there, but, you know, I was already doing some, some various magic type stuff kind of ebbed and flowed out of alcoholism until I finally uh, ended up on the other side. Well, we're glad to have you here. Um, yeah, I think that's that's sort of like an inevitability, right? Because I do think that there's a really similar... 
sort of current running through just really any type of magic with the 12 steps. Because when you really just strip it down, the 12 steps are just, to me, and this is my experience, a recipe for connecting with power. And I think as, as magical practitioners, that's, that's not an unfamiliar concept, right? Like accessing power. And so I needed a power. I had no power. I didn't have any power to do anything differently than what I was doing, right? Mm-hmm. But those steps allowed me to access that power. And, what you know, we can go into, into higher power and stuff. I just take off the higher and just put power, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's a, it, regardless of how you kind of come at the relationship, it is a process of looking critically at how you interact with the forces around you, living and non, um, and to not even necessarily come out with it with an exact certainty of it, but to just continually, you know, I love, I love the phrase, um, you know, searching and fearless moral inventory, right? Like that process yeah. of just being like, here's, here's where things are. Here's the question of where, you know, where things might come from and how can we go on that, that seeking process? Yeah, I, I, the honesty is super important, right? Because I'm only able to change insofar as I'm able to be honest about where I am, right? So the more honest I am, the more I'm able to receive help, the more I'm able to amend my actions. I actually just am uh, working the 12 steps again right now. And I just finished my inventory Mm. and it's total, it's shadow work, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think um, there's a really interesting line that runs through like young and like the AA story. Um, Cause you know, Bill Wilson and young were in like uh, correspondence. Oh, Bill was a weird kid. Yeah. He's one of us. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no <For> doubt. Sure. <laughs> and like, yeah. uh, okay. So like another thing that interests me too, is like the Oxford groups. Mm-hmm. Like I know you get into like a history or whatever. And like some people might find that incredibly boring, but I think it's fascinating because here you had these, it's like a, the Christian group that, we're using something similar to um, the 12 steps, like some of the tech from it, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, it wasn't Bill. It was one of the other guys, I think, that was like had visited the Oxford groups and was like, hey, this this is good stuff. We should use this. And so it does have that almost like a chaos magic flavor to it of like, all right, well, like even the big book says, and don't be uh, be open-minded about what works for religious people. It's like, it's taking all this text. So like you've got meditation, you've got confession, you've got, those are the only two I can think of, right? Prayer, <laughs> prayer, yeah, right? Prayer. 
So yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, I was reading something recently and I, I can't, you know, site source this. So if I, uh, if I mess it up, then, eh. but I think like toward, you know, toward the end of his life, Bill was interested in like some of the psychedelic approaches to recovery and stuff, oh, too, yeah. which he is like an acid. He had a second yeah. acid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is, uh, that is, you know, sometimes I'm just like, did I imagine this? He was turning people on. Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, that is, uh, you know, I feel like is, is just such a, you know, a lovely little nascent thing that we're seeing. And, you know, it's another, I mean, talk about a chaos magic approach, right? I had a dream the other night and this is like I said, like I'm doing my inventory right now. And I had a dream the other night that I was doing like ayahuasca ceremony inventories. And I can't even like, you know, has dream logic, right? So mm-hmm. I can't even like hardly like describe what it was, but it was just like, it was an underlying theme that kept coming back in the dream. And then other like crazy storylines were going on. Right. But I'll have those kind of dreams sometimes. And it's similar to dreams I've had during ancestral, like times of intense ancestral practice I've been doing. Right. Where it's like, mm-hmm. there's someone doing magic with me in my dreams. Mm-hmm. it can get really weird and really cool really fast and i think that there's honestly like or at least maybe i see it maybe this is just a, a bias of some sort but i feel like there's aa gets a pretty bad rap in magical circles i feel like do you see that i think i don't go in the magical circles where it does, you yeah. know, I, I think I, and maybe it's just, I've been really blessed to be, um, I kind of, you know, am resubmerging pretty, pretty deep in magic again now. And, and the, you know, the, the, the circles that we travel in, I think are very, you know, amenable to that sort of thing, much more amenable to, and I guess, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, and maybe this, again, this is just sort of what I'm traveling in. I feel like the, the magical folks I talk to these days are way more clued into things like prayer and intention and that, that work that aligns very much with this sort of, uh, 12 steppy mindset, then, you know, I'm just, I'm going to etch something in a candle and call Hecate and here's my herbs. And you know, that, that sort of very, like, rigid sense versus something where it's like the biggest spell you can do is <laughs> pray to somebody. Yeah. Or just practice gratitude, right? Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, you know, or talk to the ancestors. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, another one where I feel like there's so much of my, um, my recovery and my magic is all just intertwined with the ancestral healing piece and mm. recognizing that again, it's all just part of this like interwoven pattern, and maybe part of my inventory is stuff that I didn't even bring with me that sort of came with me <laughs> into yeah. this body, but that I didn't necessarily bring in my own self. Totally, totally. So, do you want to talk to any of the, like the any spiritual experiences you've had um, in your recovery? Yeah, you know, it's. Um, my my actually the my rock bottom moment was not as brutal <laughs> as a lot of rock bottoms people i know you know sure. I, I think part of that was was getting it was a very clear message of like hey you know that problem your mom has you got it too so i realized uh, pretty soon like i was like oh yeah okay i 
I got to stop. Um, so it was not necessarily a, a dark night of the soul moment, but, um, you know, as I examined my relationship with alcohol, it was really clear that like for so many of us, a big part of it was like self-medicating pretty severe depressive issues. Um, that I usually talk about is melancholy. I think it's, I think it's a temperament thing. Um, and especially kind of more recently in my recovery practice, I'm realizing that there's a little bit of the, the sort of the through lines of like what you get from sort of sex and love addiction and some of that too. And some of the ways that I was behaving in relationship with people was, was part yeah. of this. And so that ultimately my recovery was a process of, of figuring out how to um, better manage my periods of, of really like, severe despondency um i'm not a big fan of the like the, <laughs> the 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 purely medical model of depression where it's like in your brain chemicals don't work right but like yeah me neither within that reality tunnel the talking about like what happens with the dopamine transmitter like that's where my problem is is when i when i'm in a deep episode i just can't feel any pleasure or joy at anything just complete anhedonia and so you know, when you're in that space, the 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 rat's going to push the button. So I would go find ways to push the button. So I had to figure out kind of how to how to process through that, and that is what has been, um, you know, some of that has been ancestor work on my on my mother's side, um, which is <laughs> way less fucked up than my dad's side, despite to be despite being the one that my uh, you know, um, that the, uh, <laughs> the severe alcoholism comes. I from. feel like I, the ones that were fucked up, I didn't expect to be. Oh, my dad, well, my dad's side's got like, that's just like pure, pure crazy sin versus my mom's yeah. side. It's like more sort of like personal, personal melancholy. So, um, so doing some of that work and really making, um, making efforts on that side. And then the other piece, uh, as I alluded to before we started recording, is kind of coming back to faith and prayer in a way that I had never really thought was accessible to me. Um, coming from a very uh, devout Southern Baptist family where both of my parents had kind of left the church. I feel like I was like culturally Southern Baptist. I uh, been I guess for the past, you know, five years or so, really re-encountering that world. And some of it has also been kind of coming in through Catholicism. I've developed a really lovely relationship with St. Dymphna, the uh, the patron saint of the mentally ill. Um, awesome. She is absolutely a, a, a godsend. Haha. Um, but just asking for for grace and working through the the sort of metaphors and images of of grace and of redemption and of cleansing um has been really helpful in recognizing that it's a process like there's not i can't do like one really big ritual and suddenly i'm it's a continual cleaning and refining and asking for that grace from God, but also, you know, 
things, other other entities and spirits, you know, beyond the God that I've sort of come to know. Yeah, it's a much bigger God, right? And it's yeah. a much it's a much bigger it's a very populated universe for me, which is it's like great. I can call on a lot of I can call on a lot of folks. Yeah. Well, that's a great thing about kind of approaching everything from a chaos magic mindset, which has been, you know, sort of my my shtick for I said sort of most of the past like 20 years or so, is like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I go at it from a Protestant, like, nope, there's one God, it's Yahweh, Christ is his son, and we're gonna talk to him. And and like just getting down on your knees and doing that, you know, Protestant prayer is like what I need in that moment. And then you know, when I'm not in that reality tunnel, then it can be, you know, a, a pagan fun fest or whatever the hell else it is that that makes the most sense. I like that. Uh, going back to what you said about it's a continuous process of calling in. I feel like that is for me now because, and I'm sure you, you probably relate to like at some point it becomes about much more than just like sobriety. Or like not yeah. drinking, right? And there is a grace by which that's been just like removed from my life. When you were talking about getting in those times, I mean, I so I'm about a little over two years sober, and I spent the first year of that like going hard with AA, but also doing a lot of magic too, and doing a lot of work with saints, ancestors as well. And then the the second year of that I didn't engage with the program of Alcoholics Anonymous at all. I mean, I, you know, luckily it hit, it had gotten me back sort of into a place where, like you said, prayer was a part of my life again. And it's interesting because it kind of goes hand in hand with Gnosticism, with bringing some of those, being able to re-engage with some of those concepts of my Christian youth again. It's very Gnostic to me, the concept that I felt so not at home in the world that I needed some sort of portal in the form of a drug to take me to a place where I could be okay with the world. It's, it's, it's like the wondering of, of what is it even like to, to be comfortable? I don't think I know I'll never feel a hundred percent comfortable. So whatever it was that I was needing, um, you know, in in this in this point in the timeline, who knows? Yeah, if we were living in a hunter gatherer animist paradise. Maybe I'd feel a little bit different. But as long as we're in late sure. stage capitalism, like there's well, going to be a hole. Yeah, that's a huge part of it too, right? Because we are not living right. Yeah, but I think that comes back to a disconnection with with power, and that comes with. And whatever, you can call it a coincidence or you can call it intentional. It really doesn't matter to me. What matters is like the effects are there, right? We're disconnected from the reality of spirit. I was disconnected mm-hmm. from the reality of spirit. I'd become a total atheist. Um, I was disconnected from, with the reality of and the presence of the dead. But they're just gone, whatever. And dying is something dumb people do. I'm not going to do that, right? A total disconnection. With the living universe, because right, I can't be disconnected from it, right? And I, we, I talked about this on my last episode with uh, Chris. I can't be disconnected from it really, unless I give it up. Me mm-hmm. believing that I've been disconnected from it is essentially the same thing, right? Just like reconnecting with it is as simple as opening my eyes and seeing 
that I'm in it. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. You know, there's some there's some medicine in looking back at that person feeling so disconnected and having a little bit. It's something that I I feel like I always struggle with is having compassion for the person that I was when I was in so much pain and causing pain. But, you know, that had a root too. That was not just completely spontaneous behavior either. Right. It was a sense of disconnection. And at times I feel like even possession. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's where I, you know, I was, Sometimes I wonder if the the things, uh, you know, substances and otherwise that we find ourselves developing those attachments to, if like what what are what we use to fill those holes, like if if that in and of itself is that's that's a sign of the entity that is there, you know, what is it? It's you know, I was I definitely feel. It, sometimes that I was absolutely possessed by a spirit of despair. Yeah, me too. And that my consistent struggle is a is a battle against despair and why things like, you know, hope and prayer and grace are the the solution. Yeah. And on a daily basis, reconnecting with that. Because mm-hmm. I think I started to say this, but I went off on a tangent. But <laughs> like that 24 hour thing for me that's the space I get to, to play. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to play outside of that. Cause part of what that inventory did for me was realizing that, and my sponsor helped me with this, but that fear, it doesn't exist right now. It exists in the future. It's always about something in the future. It's some shit I'm making up. It's a total phantom. And my resentment that lives in the past. None of it is right now. Like, you know, I used to call my sponsor and be like freaking the fuck out for no reason, you know, just because I'm like about to vibrate out of my skin. Right. Yeah. And he's like, dude, what's happening right now? And I'm like, I'm sitting in my house. He's like, okay, you're sitting in your house. Is anyone coming to stab you right now? Like, is anyone like, is the house falling down? Is like a meteor about to hit you? Like, no, that's all. It's all outside that 24-hour window. And so I have to actually go there to experience it. And so if I just don't go there, it's easier said than done sometimes, but that's really been helpful for me, that framework. Yeah. It's in the most like banal white girl way. I feel the same way just like hanging out with my dog. It's like yeah. you are you are here right here in this moment and you're not afraid of anything except for maybe you know maybe not immediately getting food I don't know yeah you're just chilling <laughs> you just you're just right. being in that in that space um I think it's you know it's it's part of the the when you enter in sort of a more animistic world view and you you spend time with like the personhood of plants and trees and rocks and shit. And you're just like, they're not, they're not operating on any kind of a timeline. Like we are just like 
just taking the chill pill. Yeah. I've definitely had some helpful trees in my sobriety. Oh man. They're the best. I had a great, yeah. um, like just, just a couple weekends ago, just like laying there, looking at a rose bush, watching the bees being like, you don't, you don't give a shit about any of this. You're not, yeah. you don't care about what's happening in Ukraine. And right. like, you know, obviously, you know, general i'm opposed to war on on principle i yeah. don't want anybody to be hurt but also i know that my stressing about it isn't going to isn't going to save any lives all we right. do is you know we 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 pray for peace and that's right because fear to me is this is going to sound dramatic but it's true for me just for me fear to me is death and I can sit, I can, it's okay to be with it, but if I chase it, I might as well chase it off a ledge. You know what I mean? I same thing with self-pity is the same way. That'll kill an alcoholic. Yeah. Have it on good authority that fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to that uh, William S. Burroughs like spoken word jazz album. You know what I'm talking about from the Sopranos? There's a song of it where he's just talking about like the book of the dead. It's yeah. Really good. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's really good. I think I, uh, I did this, I did this work music league thing and submitted one of those songs or something. And I think everybody was just like, whoosh. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I was in that music league. Yeah. I haven't done it in a while. Um, okay. So, Let's go backward some. And if you want to talk a little bit more about that Christian upbringing, like what, what kind of experiences did you have there? Like, I know, well, I'll let you speak for yourself. Well, that's, that's what is kind of, kind of weird. So my, all of my extended family is Southern Baptist and my, my father's father was a minister. Um, and you know, was not a good person. Um, and so my dad, uh, you know, was raised a pastor's son, but kind of, you know, he, he was, you know, did a lot of acid, played in a band and left the church, but still, um, you know, still very conversant in, the sort of the mythos and the culture. And uh, so we were sort of raised like, like culturally Southern Baptist. Like I know my Bible. I know the songs. I know the concepts. I was raised with a really strong sense of the possibility of redemption and the really kind of good stuff that comes from church, the idea that that there is a sense of grace, all that, all that stuff. So, so that was part of my upbringing. But we didn't go to church because my my dad had a big chip on his shoulder for very obvious, you know, and, and clear reasons. So, you know, like we go to church sometimes, like right. the big family things, but it was not part of my upbringing, despite the fact that like I'd read the whole King James Bible and, 
it allows me to kind of come at, you know, of course, like a lot of, you know, I was a, you know, gothy kid in, <laughs> in the teens and was like, Christianity's yeah. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> this is for sheep, you know, and, and like, and I was then like sort that of, for a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and then sort of developed like, a, okay, Catholicism, like it has some cool, like, like aesthetics right and like they get down and shit too right like they yeah drink and like stuff. okay yeah. they've got you know there's a lot of like it's kind of it's got some like gothy vibes i'm into this and it's it's got and there's rituals and stuff yeah right? like, yeah and i always was really interested in religion and interested in faith and and you know interested in magic from a from a pretty young age but it felt like the last thing i would ever come back to would be you know, approaching Jesus, like Mary, you know, when you, when you're, when you're raised Protestant, Mary feels like really transgressive, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, she's the goddess. And so, but actually getting down with like the lamb is, is kind of a, like a mind fuck for you when you're, when you have been spending most of your life thinking like, this is absolutely not for me. This is everything that's wrong with the South, everything that's wrong with politics in our country like this is this is what's destroying you know my perfect like whatever world i want to live in but um i had a really um i had a, a, a shamanic uh reading with with kai armand a couple years back and he's kind of from a similar background and said like all i'm getting is like that that you need to be <laughs> on your knees, like just old school, not pretty, very dry, good old Protestant prayer. And that's, you know, that's, that was, it's, it doesn't, it's not sexy. It's not fun. It's not aesthetic. I like that. It's extemporaneous though. Yeah. it was. Like, that's it, how it was for us. You know what I mean? We just made it up. Yeah. And so when I came in contact with these Catholic prayers, I was like, "Yo, y'all say the same prayers over and over again," which is cool yeah. in its own way, right? Because they capture all that energy. But I do yeah. like the Protestant, just like from the heart, kind of like wrestling. Yeah, it's it's so authentic that it's terrifying. Yeah, and you know, I had been sort of messing around with saying the Rosary, and again, that feels very like that feels super meditative and different. And that's not, you know, that's not the world I came from. Obviously, you know, I could say, I could say in our father because there's the, you know, Johnny Mathis Christmas song, right? But like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, it feels so different. And so it, it does kind of force you to do some of that questioning. We talked to you, do some of that moral inventory, you know, talk to, talk to God about, what's going on and what do you need? And I went back and like reread the gospels, you know, a couple years ago. And it's, I mean, that is revolutionary. And yeah. so, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's very like tried to be like, Oh, Jesus was a Brown socialist, but like Jesus was a Brown socialist. Like he was saying stuff that is, incredibly transgressive and that stuff that will still get you killed. Yeah. Yeah. You say it and, loud enough, you know, and it's, and it's, so it's very to try to kind of jailbreak that relationship and come to come back to it. Uh, 
has been really interesting and something that I've been kind of particularly interested in untangling is, you know, like all good Baptists, like I wasn't, I wasn't baptized at birth because, you know, you, you do a believer's baptism, which means I never got baptized. So I'm, you know, walking around in the world, like <laughs> living my sin. Well, I, I really like cleansing baths as like a thing. Yeah, totally. So now I just, I, that's a, a big part of my practice is just a regular sort of self baptism. I like and it. You you know throw a little little bit of salt, a little bit of Psalm twenty three, and you got yourself a sin stew going. Like <laughs> you get all the, clean, it's great. The Sethian Gnostics they baptized like as much as you want. Just keep getting like let's just do it every day. Yeah, and they they did like they did like um, astral flight type baptisms where they would go and journey into the upper realms of heaven and be baptized by angels in each each like level pretty cool that's, stuff that's rad yeah that you can my... read i think it's zostrianos and then there's the, yeah. the gospel of the egyptians it's it's good stuff i'm real bad i have i have a big nagamadi that i've like sort of you know thumbed through but haven't really like i haven't dug as deeply into the gnostics as i feel like i should have for somebody who's really wanting to go back and and jailbreak jesus christ the gnostic gospels I would really recommend like the gospel of Thomas is amazing. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's just sayings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff. A lot of stuff that's been really useful to me in my sobriety. He talks about, you know, things like hermetic stuff too, like making the outer, like the inner and the inner, like the outer and just a very esoteric kind of vibe to it. It's cool. It's a different side of Jesus. Obviously, because yeah. you know it. it yes, it's, it's a, a B it's side. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, we're not putting this. Uh, yeah, we're not we're putting not this in the greatest hits. <laughs> right. This is wild. Taking a, I took a, a ancient Christianity class in college. You know, a million years ago, and and just understanding like the the way that it all got compiled. And you're just like, this is this is the inspired word of God, but this is a hundred percent the work of like. Some oh. some accountants and some yeah and some project like, managers like right like it's well it's interesting right because you can see it happen with anything but yeah it totally just becomes propaganda at one point and like they edit out like all the women yeah well, not all of them but like they're you know like so Sophia and Shakina wisdom right so every mm-hmm. time you see wisdom in the bible it's it's that word but they there's just like a trick of translation right where yeah. you take this from being a person and you make it just into a concept which is i guess kind of we've done that with everything anyway yeah <laughs> deanimization yeah yeah right so what were you afraid of as a kid uh alien abduction yeah, me too. That's a big one for me. I was horrified. Oh my god. I was I was convinced that I was an abductee. Do you I don't think you remember. Are? I don't think so now. Yeah. I think it was I think it was 100% just like I I I had honestly I think I had trauma that I was 
interpreting through that lens instead of interpreting through the lens of like you know shitty human yeah, stuff interesting happening. but hmm. i wonder too if if sometimes that isn't like a medicine but go ahead continue yeah i i think and and i also wonder if part of it is you know if if it was kinds of spirit contact that i didn't know how to interpret because of the trauma yeah or be, i mean or just because i was like a a kid who was consuming all of the again like yeah you know 90s kid alien media yeah watching so the x-files like, i had the job. same right and th- this is why i asked this question because so often the things i'm afraid of are like what i'm incredibly fascinated by too and i like can't stop yeah and as a kid, I just couldn't stop watching alien stuff, even though I was afraid every night that they were going to come get me. Yeah. Oh, man. Same. And it was, and God, my, bless my parents who would rent me the same like UFO video from the Blockbuster video or whatever yes. and let me watch it and then have me stay up all night. He's like, but they're coming for me. Like, couple of, couple of saints um, putting up with that with that every uh every weekend yeah going through it willingly yeah so yeah, when so what's your relationship to that now so yeah what how do you feel now about aliens um now i'm i'm pretty solidly in the like valet keel camp of like yeah me too it's it's a it's a phenomenon um you know control system kind of stuff and now i i don't have the same fear of it because i can see it as whatever you know whatever people are reporting is is a real experience but i don't know that it's necessarily happening in the physical or purely in the physical or um but it's some it's still imminent yeah and that there's but it it seems like there's a little bit more it i don't know that i was necessarily like super clued into the like sort of intruders narrative at the time, but the idea that like, no, there are these beings and they're coming and they want to mess with your body and you don't have any control over it. That is, I mean, that's really, really terrifying in a way where it's like, there is knowing that this is part of something that's bigger, knowing about kind of how it ties into tales of of the fae how it ties into uh you know the sorts of things that people report on in different kinds of shamanic experiences with or without the aid of of plant medicines like whatever this is it's something way bigger than like these guys want to get my eggs like they're right and that's it feels like it's it's more part of a story versus just a a crime basically right yeah totally it but that's the part of it that interests me is looking at sort of like the Whitley streber side of it where it's like yeah okay so i had this experience and it was horrifying but then it started giving me it started giving him gifts yeah you know like psychic abilities <clears throat> heightened awareness you know etc etc access to for lack of a better word technology that wasn't wasn't before that experience available, right? That's the yeah. same thing. Like, I mean, I didn't have any sort of spiritual. Okay, maybe not. I had some, but I didn't really have anything major until I had a near death experience. 
And then it was like the floodgates were open. And I, I wonder if it's not kind of like that too. I mean, like you said, it's a shamanic thing where it's like, yeah, okay. I have this incredibly horrifying experience that I don't understand that even for maybe years, it still is unfolding and working on me because I, you know, I had that near death experience and I still didn't, nothing clicked for me. I still continued to use and hurt people and et cetera. But it did eventually unfold into fruition. Like those seeds bore fruit. And so, you know, like a fruit tree is going to take a while to bear fruit. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's fascinating to me. The relationship between that underworld experience, but then you get to come back. If you get to come back. Yeah. And bring gifts to the people. Yeah. It reminds me if there's a, I just remember the, the quote um, when Willie was talking about his, his wife going through all of the letters he got in the wake of communion and her coming to him and saying like, this has something to do with death. Like it's, it's the, it's the, or something to do with what we call death. I think that's, that was the, yeah, the line, like, which I is like, like it's really, yeah, it's really, I mean, talk about like, that's that, <laughs> talk about a hook. You're just like, oh, yeah. I want to know more. But um, when you think about that, you think about like Mike McClellan's like owl stuff, all of it. Like this is, this is yeah. something that's way bigger than, you know, space creatures and flying like, like nuts and bolts saucers there's something right. yeah, that yeah. is so much more um so much bigger and i that doesn't necessarily you know i think i'm still at the place where like i i wouldn't want to go you know i'm not going to go out and like do the you know summon the the ufo thing that uh I can't oh remember. yeah that <laughs> that particular like spiel of things but i i i am i'm not like welcoming the experience i don't think i'm going to want that to happen but i also don't fear it um and maybe part of it is is having you know dipped my toes in the underworld a little bit and dipped my toes in like having some doing some deep trauma processing like okay this is is if this is part of what the path is then that's what happens have you read american cosmic i sure have it's so good that book is so good it's so fascinating to me when Dr. Prasolka talks about the souls in purgatory being very similar to alien encounters. And just the fact that that's like just a doctrine. And so I hate to say, you know, everything is the same, but there is, I can't help but go to the valet thing about like the phenomenon wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is just like a doctrine of the church, but that doctrine allowed this phenomenon to enter into people's, into their awareness, maybe. That re- yeah. like it gave them a reality tunnel to experience it in a way that they could understand. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, you know, ultimately like it's the, the naming of something sometimes can allow you to perceive it, right? Like, Totally. If you don't have if you don't have the words or the ways to understand something, it becomes sort of an amorphous thing versus like you have an interpretation that you can put on an experience. Right. Which and is anyone, I think 
Go ahead. You know, this, that's alien abduction, right? Is like once that narrative became well known, then when people would have these surreal experiences, they could put that label on it. Yeah. I wanted to talk about intention some because I know that you're involved in that. Yes. I, um, yeah, I've been going to a weekly uh, Power of Eight intention group um, for coming up on, on two years, but missing, you know, maybe a week here, a week here, there, but that being my most like solid <laughs> social commitment um, on my calendar. And it's really, um, it's, it's life-changing in so many ways. I mean, you know, when you see it, see like a miracle happen, um, I like a lot of folks who, I mean, I, I'm sure there's some people in the magic space who experience no doubt of like, what if I'm just a crazy person and all of this is fake? Right. Like you get a lot of, <laughs> a lot of good evidence for it. whatever it is. There's something when you see just these crazy miracles happening but then also, and also it's just like, it's really nice to have a group of friends who you get together and like, it, it have a really like positive thing that you do, but the incredible change you experience in dedicating time out of your schedule to like, think nice things for other people. It's, it's a very similar sort of change to what you get with like gratitude work because you are separating yourself from that's that self-focus. Um, right. And a big, one of my, um, a big part of my recovery process has been just trying to be, um, to generally just take a more like pro redemption, I guess, recovery process, magic process, faith process, whatever, all of it together is like to take a, to take a super redemptive attitude toward everyone, try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, trying to just assume good intentions with everyone, which I think in our current like cancel happy culture is a really transgressive thing to do. Yeah. Um, it's really, it, it, it creates a massive change in your life when you spend time focused on good things for others. Uh, I mean, it's why, you know, volunteering makes such a big difference for people. Why, you know, old folks in prayer circles do so much better than, than people who don't do that. It really changes. It, it focuses, it forces you to change your perspective. It forces you to have a little bit of gratitude for whatever situation you're in. And it makes you feel like you're part of a community. Like when I have to take things to the circle, whether it's, you know, my own problems or for my family, like, it's it's just impossible to to overstate how um how beneficial it's been yeah it's truly miraculous it fits in really nicely with my recovery too because one of the things that helped me especially early on and i hated when he would say to do it but you know i would come to my sponsor was like yeah i'm pissed at whatever like fuck that guy you know whatever whatever He'd be like, well, how about you uh, pray for their health, wealth, and happiness? How about you go and pray for their happiness and their health and their wealth and their prosperity and pray that they have everything that you want from your life? And I would be like, man, fuck that. (laughs) 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 But then I would go do it. An incredibly transformative practice. I would recommend that for anyone. There's something, like you said, there's something about 
spending time intending for someone else's well-being that it's just like it feels right it's like okay this is what this is how you're supposed to do it like this is what and you know i i always liked praying for people that's one of the reasons i liked going to church was i liked that feeling of you know where two or more gather in my name there i am you know you can feel it it's yeah. there when it, it also is just like it's just really effic- efficient tech you know i love the yeah it um, works that's another the hack thing of works. like of like if you're if you you have somebody that you you really hate at your job and you can't deal with working with the best way to do the malefica is like pray for them to get a great job that they can't turn down yeah, like, right. that'll work <laughs> way better than praying for them to lose their job or praying for them to get hit by a car like it'll work so much better you're not getting into any weird contracts with anything. And like, it just, it's in my entirely untested hypothesis, it just seems like the universe prefers things to go in that direction. (laughs) So like you're working, you're not, you're not swimming against the flow of traffic. Right. Mix some metaphors there. Well, you know, and like, I won't ever bash anyone for doing it, but like, I know for me in my experience, I just brought myself a lot more blockage that using Malefica in that way. Yeah. You know, like, and whatever, people will disagree with me, but like, it just didn't feel good to me. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, there's something to be, you know, it's, it's, it's taken the high road, right? Like there's a reason why there's, there's ways to, to talk about that is you, you come out without a, any ick on you. And I think that's, you know, if, if a big part of what we're doing in this lifetime is trying to remediate the ick that we came in with, like, don't add more. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just don't add more to the system. Yeah. Like I, I oh. already have enough ancestral baggage. I don't need to add more baggage. <laughs> yeah. I've got enough problems. Like, all right. <laughs> I also, uh, what you, when you were talking about intention, um, work it made me think of something you said made me think of the prayer of saint francis there's a line in that that's it just continues to like blow my mind in new ways but when you pray that prayer if anyone's familiar with it you ask to understand rather than to be understood yeah there's something to that where like because so much of my life has been spent selfishly, whether consciously selfish or not, right? Being upset that I wasn't understood. They don't understand me. They don't get me. They like, yeah, I'm just misunderstood, you know? But when I'm able to put myself in that place of, of trying to understand someone else first, it changes the relationship completely. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's transgressive because, you know, Maybe it's beneficial to some people that we don't do that. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that that prayer is a killer. Highly. It's so good. (laughs) 13 out of 10 stars uh, to anyone looking for a prayer to add to their their repertoire that will just like. Yeah. Your whole mind. Skyrocket. Yeah. Um, And he's got a great story, too. And just a total. Oh, such a. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Such a Chad. Such a Chad. Hell yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about intuition too, both as a magical practitioner and as 
someone in recovery because that's an overlap. Mm-hmm. And it's part of ancestor work too. Is clear and the prayer of St. Francis sort of leads into it as well, where you ask to be a channel or to be an instrument. Yeah. It fits with intention as well, because when when anyone that's not familiar with the power of eight intention, when you're intending the statement, you really are sort of like trying to focus on letting the universe do it through you. Yeah. <laughs> rather than me trying to do it myself. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to feel beat up the next day. Yeah. Burn out. And I've done it on accident before doing Reiki, um, which is just an interesting side note, but I also find it to be laced throughout the big book. The idea of using the intuition, reconnecting with the will, the proper use of the will, mm-hmm. um, being skyrocketed into the fourth dimension, I think it says somewhere. <laughs> um, on the high road, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Could you talk about uh, your experience with that? I, you know, I think I actually have a, for whatever reason, I, I don't have the native sense of it. Like I really have to fight for it and struggle for it. You know, somebody who, I'll I'll drop out a journey really quick and easy. I have a really hard time remaining in that in that space. And you know, to go back to kind of what we were talking about with with disconnection, I think that's part of the 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 pain or whatever that I'm I'm working with is is this deep desire to be very in tune with the universe with God with spirit with my purpose all of that and and really like getting in my own way a lot and yeah. feeling disconnected from it and so it's been um you know I think that was one of the the things that was helpful about kind of a more performative style of magic in the beginning was was where the accoutrement would kind of help to like get into that um get into that space and it's been trying to strip that back and still see if I can feel the intuition like I'm a I'm a I'm a terrible tarot reader I cannot I absolutely can't read for myself like I just get in my own way oh, so I do the same thing yeah I mean I think that's a pretty that's a pretty common thing it's been sort of interesting to um I always thought that like pendulum work was like, oh, that's, I don't know. That just, that's a swinging rock. That's not like fun, you know, these cool, you know, cool things. And it's been getting and, and working with the pendulum inspired by, uh, you know, the rune, rune soup course uh, about it was very like kind of mind blowing in terms of like, oh, I, I do have this capacity. I just am really in my head. Don't listen to the body. I think that, and I think he even goes into this in that course, right? But I really vibed with the idea that, and it goes with what you were saying too, the performative aspect and the accoutrement. The pendulum is a way for me to trick myself into believing my intuition, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like, oh yeah, this is just me. But if I have this fucking chain with a nipple on the end, (laughs) then I can... And yeah, it's probably a spirit too, right? There's an mm-hmm. interplay there always. 
but sometimes that's just enough to make like to help me get out of my own way and it's interesting because that really is i've been getting into a lot more journey work lately yeah that getting in my own way amounts to like me thinking oh this is just my imagination well it's like yeah, yeah of course it's your fucking imagination <laughs> That's, that's the point. Like that's the point. <laughs> that's the ticket. Yeah, it's it, when you start to realize that like dreams are can be dreams and still be real and all of that. It's really like it was. It was a really <laughs> amazing moment for me the first time I was doing an intention and had like an image pop into my head and be like, "Am I just imagining that?" Because I think that would be a cool thing to say to this person. And it was like, maybe, maybe that is what's happening. So I'm just going to share it. And it ended up being, you know, somehow healing for this person to hear me to talk about, you know, my, I think it was, it was my dog showing up in a, in an intention vision, bringing somebody a gift. And I was like, this is probably just me being obsessed with my dog, but, and they're like, no, actually that's really meaningful. So. Yeah. And the dog obsession helped. Yeah. That was the vehicle. Yeah, she's, you know, she's my my spirit buddy, like. Right. Yeah, that's actually interesting too if you think about it in a fam- a fam- the sense of the familiar. Yeah. You saying that made me think about it's the same way I get in my own way when I think just for let's for example sense say I'm at a meeting. And I think to myself Oh yeah, this my experience. I don't have anything to offer. Like I'm not going to be able to help any of these people. That's getting in my own way too. Yeah. Instead of just sharing my experience from the heart and just like letting it be what it is and not worrying about. Yeah. Or knowing what? that even just physically being in the room, you're adding something to the energetic field that's beneficial yes. to this oh, person. Oh yeah. Like you Definitely. don't need to even say a say a word, but yeah, oh that or or the you know the other side of it is overthinking and wanting to say the most brilliant thing in the world. I really I I struggled with with that in my early meetings. You know, the ego around always wanting to be the like smartest, cleverest person in the room. That oh, yeah, it's like that's not this isn't the place for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a chair at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in like a church basement. Like, Nobody what cares I- <laughs> that you're so funny. Like, right, right. Yeah, I shit. I have that problem here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? It's just like, just, just be. Again, it's it's the future. It's it's that that future thing you talked about, where it's like I want everybody to come away from whatever experience this is, being like, wow, that Lindsay, she's really smart and funny. I mean, like. Who gives a shit? Why do you want like <laughs> Well, that's an interesting um very common trait for addicts is perfectionism. Oh yeah. And I don't like I kind of get it, but I don't like why. And I but I do think it comes back to like you know, we talked about this earlier about not feeling 100% comfortable in our own skin or in the world or however you want to put it. And that need to be, well, it's what led me to, to my problem drug use and my problem drinking, but it's also what now leads me on the journey that I'm on now. It's the same motivation, but 
but it's just now applied properly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, and that's, you know, we come back to like, we're all completely out of right relation with the world, with the planet, with each other. Um, so of course we're all sort of yearning to be understood and seen and to make these connections. And I mean, my, you know, my drinking is different from somebody who, you know, spends all their time just like scrolling on their phone or whatever. But like, in terms of the, what I'm, what I was trying to solve, it's not all that different. We're all, and that's, you know, that's, that's the big, sort of the bigger magical project, right? Is like improving the, the, field of resonance for all things like every it is so clear that every everything is in so much suffering because we're so far out of relationship with the way that we're supposed to behave with one another and so you know if by expressing gratitude feeling grace for others praying like i can improve that field like that is that helps my own desire to, you know, fill the void with whiskey, but also to like maybe also make things easier for the 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 all the beings that I encounter. There's an analogy used often in AA and probably recovery in general, but AA is just my experience of the oxygen mask when the plane is going down. You got to put yours on first before you can put someone else's on. Yeah. And at first that it's like, well, why is that the metaphor? But it really is a great one because I think it like for me to be truly, to be truly in right relation with all the beings and with the greater field is to be myself, my true self. And to be who I came here to be and to remember who I am, what, you, however you want to call it, individuation, actualization, you know, there's a hundred words for it. I like it because it's just, in my experience, seems to be true. And it's also just a, it's a simple beginning, which is another thing the big book talks about is just making a beginning. And I begin here where I am. Yeah. But in doing so, I can affect the whole, the whole universe, because I'm not really separate from it. Yeah, we decided to be incarnated at this time for some reason. Yeah. So I'm whatever. As much as I like, so much of my self perception is like, you're an asshole. You hurt the people that you love. All of that, and like, we all somewhere else decided to be in this together. So that doesn't excuse the bad behaviors. And I still am, you know, working on those amends, but like, it's all part of that, that same process and the, the unfolding of there's a, (laughs) the, the line in the desiderata, right? Like that there's no doubt that the universe is unfolding as it should. Like, I, I don't know better than 
the grand designs that that are unfolding all of this yeah i just i can either i can either rail against it or i can just flow with it yeah and i didn't used to be able to flow with it as hard as i wanted to or as hard as i tried i just couldn't do that yeah i mean it's it's difficult and i think there's part of the you know, the kind of talking about kind of the transgressive nature of things, like so much of the the messaging, if you're like weird, alt, whatever, is is like to be angry, to fight, to be, you know, oh, I'm so punk rock and like fuck the system. And yeah, I mean, I'm still like definitely opposed to war capitalist extraction, all of that, but also recognize that flowing with it in, again, it's, it's the, the malefica, right? Like we're going to get, we're going to catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. If we work to improve the field versus if we work to destroy what's there. Well, I just can't do much from a place of resentment. So like, I can still say, fuck the system, but I'm not going to fucking like, drive myself to an early grave because they suck <laughs> yeah sucks. yeah right like it you know doesn't what I mean? make, it doesn't make me more authentic or more punk rock or whatever to be really depressed all the time right and angry and and despairing you know i think it's it's the you know all of this all these these themes that we've been talking about all kind of tie together and like you you can't let yourself be colonized by the demon of despair and forgiveness is the truest act of revolution that you can do right now, I would say. Is yeah. forgiveness. Talk talking like Christ, man. That's that's <laughs> that'll get you killed. Again, that's <laughs> yeah, it's it is a it is a wild and strange medicine. And I think to look at the amount of disjointedness and suffering in the world and to respond to it with that open heart is is the most revolutionary thing you can do. It's incredibly transformative. And I would argue that it, it does also have that field effect of affecting the wider field when you... Okay, because I do think that we co-create reality. And if, if my... Oh, I don't even know what to call it. If my place, my space in reality, my space, not that my space, <laughs> but... You know, if my domain within my reality is no longer the black iron prison, but is the palm tree garden, if it's no longer the wasteland, but it is Eden, that's completely in the in the eye of the beholder. That's a total perspective gratitude thing. And so, like, yeah, the Gnostic in me the the firebrand in me the anarchist in me yes wants to be like fucking burn it down right but like it almost is it's gonna sound so cliche but the best way for me to do that is by transforming my life and i do that through just wearing a different pair of glasses that's really like all it takes i mean it that makes it sound so simple and it's like right it's it's an everyday process yeah but 
it's really just that simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. Yeah. The burning it down is a step in a, in a process that also requires you to do a lot of, a lot of work afterward versus if you decided to just start with composting what's there and improving the soil little by little. Um, you know, I feel like the, the, so many like permaculture metaphors for how to, how to approach reality. Like we look at it as a, a system, not something that you need to pull things out or fix, but how you can work with the flow of it. Um, there's this really interesting thing that happens when you start learning about like no-till agriculture. It's like you don't want actually want to dig up the soil. What you want to do is start putting things on top of it to rot, and that will make things healthier, way better than tilling it and disrupting everything that's there. Like that is such a powerful metaphor for how to operate. You know, you you go and look at a you know a a lawn that's like just obviously over extracted. Like you don't dig it up, you build on top of it. You know, knowing that that you and I have a somewhat similar. Uh, physical part of the world origin story how do you feel like that ties into your relationship with the spirit world and magic being from the south oh yeah it's interesting the city of atlanta is like fucking alive it's so it is the greenest place like the greenest city i've ever been in you know it's just full of plants and so in springtime you can feel it. You can feel the energy in the air. And so when it was actually the first time I lived in Atlanta proper, when I was starting to get into this stuff, I was having a lot of crazy synchronicity and interactions with place. I was walking everywhere. So I was doing a lot of like wayfinding and finding cool stuff and cool parts of the city and really just getting to know the city, you know? And it's got its own flavor. So a lot of like the practice, like, because I'm kind of, I like to do my own flavor of, of stuff. And like more so, I'll work with, nowadays, I'll work with already established systems and tweak them. But I do always like to add my own flavor. But at the very beginning, it was more, it was very much in that borderland between magic and art where I was making yeah. shit up, you know? But I would do that, and then I would find that what I was doing was part of like voodoo, and it's just like that's the current that's here. Yeah. Right. And so when I went, I spent some time recently, like in Phoenix, and found that like there's a completely different flavor there, and the dreams I was having were much more related to like the local, and and so it, it does ha- make me think that like. It's always filtered through place. Yeah. Like whatever you're encountering is filtered through place in some way. And maybe that's not a, a, a great metaphor. No, I think it I think it it is a hundred percent. That's that's how I um experience it too with geography. And I, I feel like 
there is um because I was thinking about just the the experience of like walking around when I was a kid and the the swelter of you know this time of year when you you know the air is is so dense and thick and humid you can taste pollen in it and there's and the the muscadines are starting to come in and it's you can feel it there's yeah. it's a very wild and rangy and expansive spirit world um and especially around you know, like the spring equinox it's like oh god i mean as and i i would recommend Atlanta in the spring to anyone, especially to magical practitioners, because it pops the fuck off. Like, and I'm not just talking about plants and and things. I'm talking about like you'll just run into people that you're like, was that a person, or was that an oh, avatar? Yeah. Oh, there's a there there are definitely some you know, I mean there are some for sure people who I am not entirely certain are not actually just you know spirit entities oh, 100%. here embodied in the city. I, um, yeah, it's, it's really, um, it's got such an interesting current. And I feel the same thing. Like I, a lot of, um, had a similar experience where I, you know, I started getting into magic pretty young, but the, the things that just made sense immediately fell into place. were all kind of old hoodoo practice because that's, you know, that's where we're, we're walking on those, those soils um and yeah. it's it's it just permeates um i can definitely i feel other spirits in other places but i feel like when i am outside of that swelter even you know even up here in virginia i still like i feel like i'm still in contact with whatever it is that is the like the south in and of herself as as a a spirit entity um in all of her strange and problematic glory, right? Like, yeah. And another thing about it. Um, so I spent a good deal of time in Milledgeville, Georgia, which is like the, was the capital of Georgia, like before yeah. the civil war. <laughs> so a lot of interesting, like really just heavy history there, but also a lot of mounds. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mounds. There's a lot of mounds up here too, but down there, there's like some of the oldest that we know, like at least, you know, by our yeah. reckoning, um, there's rock Eagle and rock Hawk, not too far from one another mm-hmm. and that place. Okay. So it's, it's where Flannery O'Connor lived. And so it's like the birthplace of Southern Gothic. It's a haunted, haunted place, but it's also bright, white, hot. It's just an, a really interesting confluence of of themes and of imagery. It, it just feels old. It just feels ancient of days, you know. But also, yeah. that town was crazy because it just has a lot of kind of violence in its history, obviously. And yeah. but also, there was a thing that we would even talk about, and it was a joke among people that lived there that it was like a vortex. It had like vortex energy. Like you'd go there. I went there for school, and I stayed there for twelve years. And I kept going back. Yeah. And it just kind of suck you in. You know, the, uh, the, the name for the, that culture that was the mound builder in that area, you know, now they say that the Southeastern ceremonial complex, but the old right. name was the Southern death cult, which is just I like, love, I like that yep. so much more than oh, Southeastern ceremonial complex. 
Yeah, it's got it's got a certain it it definitely just sounds sounds so much cooler. And, and it's, you know, <clears throat> the indigenous people called them, I think, the ancient ones, mm-hmm. which is very like Lovecraftian too. Yeah. Peter Lavenda goes into that in Sinister Forces. A oh good bit. yeah, I forgot yeah. that was in Sinister Forces. He yeah, talks a good bit about the mounds. Yeah, I read a a, a really um, you know I read some interesting like academic archaeology just around you know trying to decipher these the symbols and stuff. And I mean, who you know who the what the hell do we know? But there's there's something very um, very deep and and. And interesting there. I sometimes wonder, you know, part of my um, my ancestral remediation has to do with the great uh, the great Southern sin, and and wondering if there is some of those forces are connected to the legacy of of slaveholding and all of that, like the 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 parts of it that are very sticky and and hard to escape um but you know it's 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 part of the process of like building a relationship with the south as yeah the place that she is sticky is a good way to put it there's like a violence to it yeah <laughs> and uh I, almost a, a brutality but a very just I, I, it's hard to put it into words. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you do wonder if it's not something that's been here for a long time. Yeah. The, the people who came here were, were drawn or enticed by something is yeah. why, you know, why did, why did things go so differently? What was it about the, the folks who came here? You know, my own sort of ancestral work, <laughs> you know, my unverified personal gnosis is that like, whatever it was that was in my father's father's line that drew them because they, they came to the South in like the 1600s from, from Scotland and ended up being enslavers. Like what was it that, so the, the ancestors and spirits I've been in relationship with are like, what, what made them do that was there before they came here that was a that was something they brought over was this whatever it was a an affliction that caused them to engage in something so horrific and you know whatever the logic of like people rationalizing it at the time like there was something there that allowed them to to do the things that they did and I, I should say, you know, I'm not saying that there's a, you know, curse from ancient indigenous people that caused no, white um, folks to engage in colonialism, but just that there's there's a through line, right? There's a through line of well, there's a through line of. I always have to go back to the Peter Lavenda thing because I find it incredibly compelling. It's like, well, not that it caused people to do these violent things, but that it, it's like we built our civilization on these sacred sites. Yeah. And so, like, we and then wonder why we're haunted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly it, right? You know, I also wonder how much connection there is, and you know, contemporary archaeologists say that there isn't, but the motifs and the art of that that southeastern ceremonial complex culture 
or the you know southern death cult will say that's better (laughs) it is strikingly similar to aztec art yeah and so it makes one wonder like you know our view of history is incredibly warped both intentionally and through just pride ignorance uh, xenophobia etc right uh, subconscious and conscious. You know, when I look at it a little more open-minded, I wonder how much, you know, like, because that culture spanned, I mean, the just based on the shells and the stones used in some of those, like, ceremonial breastplates and stuff, that culture spanned the entire continent. There's something about Turtle Island that feels like people have been coming here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that it's always been sort of like, like, yeah, we call it the melting pot, but it seems like it always has been a place where cultures kind of intertwined and intermingled and stuff. It's just fascinating. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that there's, you know, I mean, they, this, the stories of the Mexicas, like Aslan was, was up north. I think. Yeah. It's, and they it's sailed and possible. they, they, they said they took boats mm-hmm. down there from it. Yeah. yeah. And that they were in a highly stratified society and they had kind of like they were going to shuck the yoke of their masters. And it turns out that society was highly stratified. It's just interesting to look into. And yeah, I don't know. I could speculate about it endlessly. Yeah. It's, you know, I, it's alternative, uh, alternative history is always just such a, such a blast and, and looking at all that, but also recognizing like maybe they don't even have to be, they don't, they're past there doesn't need to be any sort of a physical connection or interaction, like any real connection for there to be a through line. Like if, if the same spirits are there, if the same, you know, if, if they're all operating within the same field, like the same stuff is going to, is going to come up anyway, even if there's not any, there, there doesn't need to be any physical evidence of connection for me to believe that there's, you know, there's something underneath the surface. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's like really, uh, you know, I always like to, to tie in some of the ancestral stuff. Cause that's kind of my big, my big project now is, um, is this, is this just massive ancestor remediation project and the it's, I have to like take breaks from it because it's so tough. Um, because it's been tied in with, uh, doing like sort of real genealogy genealogical work and so getting that information and kind of taking it in through the lines and it's a it's it's just very very intense um right before the pandemic started i was gonna like take a trip to nashville and actually go to these places and go to to some ancestral graves and specifically kind of ask people to connect with me so I could clear their, um, what they were guilty of. Um, that experience is like coming with the Christ energy. Yes. It benefits them, but it's incredibly rewarding for oneself too. Yeah. Well, and to, to, I mean, there's, there's a twisted gratitude component, right? Like if my ancestors, hadn't enslaved people maybe my life wouldn't be as comfortable as it is now not that i'm living in like the lap of luxury but 
Couldn't be a damn sight worse. Well, you don't even know if you'd be here, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. If things have been different. Who knows? Exactly. So it's, um, you know, it's funny when you, <laughs> it became really clear once I started doing this work, it was like, oh, this is what you're here for. It's your job to clean this, <laughs> this big old mess up. And it's all, it's all dudes. It's all like these men. And then I have this, you know, this wild, sh- I have a, um, this autoimmune condition that's highly genetically tied to that dad's dad's line. And it's just really clear that it's like popped up as like, here's a manifestation of your curse. Oh <laughs> and, yeah, totally. Basically to, to, to part of the, the process of getting rid of it is to, um, to face it is to, yeah, is to deal with the, the, I mean, it, you know, I, I'm operating under the, the framework of like the there is there is a sin that needs to be cleansed that didn't get cleansed properly and so there's a there's a need for redemption and there's there's something that i've seen during ancestral medicine stuff because i've done some of that too where just i've seen the perspective of like what being uprooted from your spirits and from the land that you were once like that those lines were once a part of. So like you go back far enough and they were indigenous too. Right. Yeah. But what, what that severance, cause I saw like in one of my sessions, I saw like boats crossing the ocean and I just started like bawling. Cause mm-hmm. I could feel like what it felt like they didn't necessarily like feel jazzed about leaving either. Right. Yeah. And it's just this imperialism pushing people around and disconnecting people. And, and those people that get hurt by that hurt other people and they push. And it's just this, it's like a self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah. And that's why I think it's such, such cool work and such important work to not just not do that. Yeah. And even better to, to actively, you know, engage in, like you said, cleaning up some of that, which is interesting too, because it kind of does go back to the inventory of like cleaning up your side of the street. Yeah. It's like an ancestral inventory. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how I'm kind of, I'm assuming that a lot of what I, what I am bringing to the table is stuff that I, like I said, is not necessarily stuff that I originated. Um, But if, if part of the reason why I'm here as somebody who has a calling in this arena is to do this, then like, that's, <laughs> that's my purpose, I guess. To just invite your ancestors or your spirits in, like when you're doing chores that you know that they would vibe with. Oh, I do it when I'm working out too. Yeah. Oh, when I work, I just go pure, pure Mars. It's real. Oh, it's real. Yeah. Like, I know. like, Oh, uh, which is weird. So my Odin thing, did I, this whole spiel, basically I had to like, like consciously separate because he was like, he's hot and heavy. He was, yeah, he was, he was like, Hey, we're gonna like, it was just too much blood. And I, and oh, yeah, I, I when well, yeah. And so I had Odin was my primary spirit relation for like years and it was very boozy and very bloody. And it wasn't until I went to an ancestral medicine workshop and there was a Northern shaman there who said, 
He does that to all the cute young girls. Tell him you need a break. It's okay. It's not going to, it's not going to ruin anything. You're not going to be cursed. You just have to tell him like, you need a break and you're going to come back when you're ready. Yeah. That's interesting. And specifically that like he, he will just drink the blood out of, the, out of the cute girls who get in, who get in with him too early. And so I did that. And basically like every once in a while, I'll see like, you know, it, it'll be like two crows that are just like staring at me or I love, I love when I get a, a series of like three cars at night that all just have one headlight and you're just like, Oh yeah. I see you. I see yeah, you. Definitely the one headlight. I'm going to come back. So that's crazy that we both are Odin people because did you know my story with that at all? Uh, I, I, I I seem to remember you made a pact with him in in jail. So when I overdosed, yeah, and had my near death experience, he is who I saw. I was in the woods and yeah. he was there. Yeah, and yeah. And so I started working with him, and I was giving him blood, and like it was too intense for me too, and I had to step back. But then I feel like he would pop in when he needed to give a quest or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now. I give him extra um, sets when I'm working out and I feel like it's totally remediated his energy. And now he's like, hmm. cause he, yeah, very much ancestral for me. That's really, cause like both sides of my family are like German Norwegian. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think the other interesting yeah. around the same time that all this happened, I found out that the the Stark that we always thought was like Germanic is actually Scottish. And granted, you know, with the way that the Vikings kind of did yeah. Northern Europe, there's, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's kind of just like, it all kind of got separated. You no, know, my favorite um, is when I'm, when I'm uh, repping, like doing real heavy squats, I'll just do the barbarous names from the Mars planetary. Oh, prayer. that's fucking rad. That's <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, That's the, cool. um, it's it's fun. Yeah, we have um, my um, my partner is like insane Aries stellium, and so our like lifting room has a fucking giant shrine to Mars in there with like a hematite phallus and a little like ram and a big painting on the wall. That's awesome. and it's just and like fire and redness, and so. Uh, but I like the idea of, of inviting inviting the old man back in, in that way. I think he was also like, not super, he, he was harder to engage with after I got sober. And so it, I think yeah. that made it a lot more strange. So, so that was interesting to me too, because when I got sober, he handed me off to Cyprian. Huh? Yeah. And then that unfolded in a really interesting way too, as I realized like, Okay, that is a kind of Cyprianic story. Like I used to just spit curses at people and bring demons into their life or demons, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I found like a better way to engage with the magic. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. I think um But then Odin has been coming around a lot more lately. Yeah. But he also likes to just come and be like, Why the fuck are you just sitting there at Dragonrock? Get your ass up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's you know, I've I've been um yeah, it's been I've I've needed a lot of like rose and heart shit that's very like that's so much harder for me to engage with than the blood and the cuz he he and the fire. Like, he pushed me like and that's so it's just cool to hear 
I'll someone else say it too because it's like you know it's real, but it really like it really mm-hmm. is just gives you goosebumps to hear it. But he is all right, he's all about like we're doing this now. You're just going to face it into the shit. Because he mm-hmm. pushed me deeper into addiction in a way to but in the end, he actually brought me out of it that way. Mm-hmm. He like made me face up to all that shit. Yeah. Like you're going to jail now. You're doing all this now. Okay. Now this isn't useful anymore. I don't know. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that seems like that that's kind of his way of doing things. Right. Is he's like, it doesn't really matter what's happening to your physical body. As long yeah. as you're, I mean, you know, you get, you get suspended from the tree that's part of the process. Um, but that's, you know, sometimes you're just like, dude, I am still a physical human um, at this, at this point. And like, yeah. that's, that's rough, dude. It's rough. <laughs> but I have that energy. I feel like too, because I'm just very much that way. And so it fits for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's my problem is that I'm very much that way. And, and I am, for where I am in my life right now, I need like the counterbalance. Um, yeah. I can't say everything because he is like that too. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I know. <laughs> since you know, then you know, like, yeah. So, you know how you were saying, like, it's difficult for you to journey? Have you tried ecstatic journey? Because I will be like, I now journey while I'm running on the elliptical mm-hmm. since I can close my eyes. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'd be better in fucking nature or whatever, but whatever. And it's a hundred percent different. And yeah. it's almost that ecstatic side, right? If I can get there somewhere, like it's not so much that it has to be the booze and the drugs. Well, and that's, that's what the running does for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that endorphin yeah. pump. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the, um, uh kink scenes that's what um yeah that's the that's what that's the that's the ecstatic journeying getting um uh intense impact just like and i feel like that's a remediation for it right yeah like doing it in a way that's not even necessarily controlled but it it is right and it's Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's controlled but but like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because he hung himself on the tree, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good shit. That's interesting. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense to know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's fascinating stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I was real close to having like a Valknut tattoo, all that stuff. And that would have been hard to take back. Well, yeah. Because you also do have to really like sit with the, that. Yeah part of it too right like there are a lot of people that follow that dude that i'm not cool with yeah well that yeah that part too but also just the like insert spear here sign that you're putting on yourself where i i was like very invested in like i'm not going to live very long and oh yeah this was part of it and so yeah that sort of conscious separation is also like maybe i'm not you know i mean i have i have like most of my friends that I've known for like back from when I was drinking all call me a Valkyrie. It's like, it's, it's like, it was such a big part of this consciousness and having to untangle that is very. Yeah. 
yeah, that's that it's there's a lot of delicate work. Yep. Yep. <laughs> God. Yeah. Like Again, delicate would... in the sense of like untangling strands, right? Like mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's Well, that was that was a rad little <laughs> bonus. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, dude. All right. Good talking. You yeah. should come back on sometime. Hell yeah. I would love to do we do, do one like live a, live from Wizard Camp. I want to do that. So that's why I want to. Okay. So my goal yeah. is to, and this, I don't know. Maybe there might not be spots, but it would be nice to be able to get a spot to park the van and plug it in. Yeah. But if well, not. Yeah. We're, tr- we're, tr- I, I got I, really no, close. I was going to just reserve another spot. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I know they're they're kind of far away, but actually, you know, it's kind of nice to have like if you had another another spot. I was um I was real close to just like driving out to because I haven't been to the campsite because it was it was sort of a last tough, choice. It was tough to get. Yeah, it just everything is is so booked. Um, I had the everything same issue so last booked. year, but it wasn't as crazy as it was this year. In so. Austin, all the campsites were too. I think everyone's just trying to go camping because they've been fucking cooped up for two years. Yeah, and, yeah, they feel like people hopefully. who are still like. Oh, I don't want to be in a hotel, but this is safe. Yeah. And also just being outside is nice. Like, yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I should probably go because it's late and I'm. Yeah. Do your thing. I'm, dude, I'm about to go to sleep too. Yeah. I also can't wait to turn the fan on in here. <laughs> I bet. Oh, shit, dude. <laughs> oh. That's what we do. Hell yeah. Well, it was great talking to you, and I hope you have a great rest of your night. Well, See take you it easy. You do the same. Bye-bye. Wow. I didn't know before I asked her to come on that Odin was a patron of Lindsay's for so long. That's just another cool example of the web of connections that we begin to find laced throughout our lives when we follow this path. Do you have stories of things that don't fit into our society's prevalent ontological dogmas? Do you experience weird shit? Seek it out? Revel in it? Then visit us at nightbirdpodcast.com. Navigate to the page entitled Share Your Story and drop me a line. I'd love to talk to you on the show and hear your stories. But I gotta fly. Thanks for listening. Until next time, the night unites us.